0: Hi everyone and welcome to another saunter with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling Blue Sea. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. It is my massive privilege to spend this time with you today and my hope is that we'll both be really inspired by spending time together and fall in love a little bit more with Jesus today. Hi everyone, welcome to the final episode of Friend of God a little mini series on being a friend of God and I'm sorry I'd just like to apologize for the delay between the second one and the last one so I do apologize Christmas, New Year, all those things all kicking in and so lots of distractions I'm afraid. So here we go with episode three of Friend of God and I've called this one Ultra Marathon. And the title kind of speaks for itself, I guess. And many people would have said they use the expression that the Christian life is not so much a sprint as a marathon. And it really is. And there's so much in the New Testament about endurance and perseverance and all those kinds of things. I don't really want to kind of really dwell on that, but it, it is a massive, massive factor. But just if we're thinking about friendship, Obviously, one of the most important thing aspects of any human friendship is that we spend time together and that that relationship is built in such a way that it weathers storms and endures and it's not just a kind of fleeting thing. Otherwise, we could say we'd made an acquaintance or we met once or twice or we had a kind of brief acquaintance um but this is we're talking about friendship and friendship not with just a human being but friendship with God friendship with the Lord Jesus himself and he, Jesus again just to reiterate he made that wonderful statement to his disciples didn't he he said I no longer call you servants but I call you my friends because I tell you what I'm doing a servant doesn't necessarily know what the master's doing or certainly what the master's thinking um, and yet Jesus said I, I've called you my friends because I bring you right into my counsel, and I tell you about what I'm doing and we know as well from the Old Testament that God says uh, I think it's to Amos he does nothing without he reveals it to his servants the prophets but even then there's that element of kind of obscurity that he alludes to when he's referencing Moses and he says actually with Moses I don't even speak to him like a prophet in dreams and riddles but I speak to him as with a friend face to face and isn't that that surely has to be the prize the ultimate prize of human existence so that we could possibly know God our creator not just as some remote philosophical idea or or maybe even an inevitability that is out there somewhere or some kind of cosmic force but actually we can know him as our friend is just utterly Oh, I think I've said mind-boggling too many times, so I'm not going to say it this time. <laughs> it is just, it fries the brain. The possibility that we could have that level of relationship with God, where where it would count as a friendship, and so what we're gonna we're gonna if we're gonna have a successful marriage, but they always say one of the the sayings is, "Marry your best friend," and a successful marriage has to have qualities of endurance built into it because we even when we stand at the front of the church or wherever we make those vows we say something along the lines of till death do us part and the the whole idea of marriage is that it is a relationship a long-lasting relationship a lifelong relationship is what we vow to when we get married and so we're gonna we we're not just gonna be together until some something annoys us about the other person, or they let us down, or disappoint us in some way, or we discover something about them that we didn't particularly like. But actually, we're we're making these vows, aren't we, in the eyes of God, to be together for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, through thick and thin, and uh, we're going to be together. And so, in we look at the Book of Revelation, we see the letters to the churches and and Jesus is saying to these guys you need to conquer you need to endure to the end you need to be faithful and there's a reward for being faithful the prize is for finishing it's not just for taking part and so we're not just talking about a short burst of a sprint and then giving up or even doing a few laps bravely but we're talking about running the race with endurance all the way to the end and who can even begin to imagine what our marriage even, if we take a human example, if we think about our marriage, you think about maybe your own marriage and what you've been through already. <clears throat> I know when Anna and I got married, we had—we were in love. We'd been um, seeing each other for five years and we We knew really from very early on in our courtship that we wanted to get married and we made promises to each other that we would. And for various reasons, we waited for five years, then we got married. And I think in my mind somehow getting married was gonna be the thing that just was the best ever. And it was all gonna happen, all the loveliness was gonna happen then from that point on. And although mentally, I guess, I knew that life was going to throw up all kinds of challenges, I had no idea what those particular challenges were going to be and what they were going to look like and what things Anna and I would have to face together in our relationship and what difficulties we'd have to weather, how we, you know parenting suddenly throws up like this whole mass of challenges that we had no grid for and we'd read books on parenting we talked to other friends who had children we'd observed other couples we'd obviously been we had parents of our own but we had no idea what the relationship would have to kind of deal with and Um, be able to withstand the kind of pressure testing of being parents and then having children with challenges and difficulties of their own and helping them through those things and times of severe ill health and that kind of thing which just stretched us to the point but of almost breaking but by God's kindness he's kept us through it but our our relationship with God surely is even perhaps even more prone to those pressure testings because I think when we're when we're married we can try and blame everything on our spouse but it's not our spouse's fault and some of the things that we encounter we it's just like Shakespeare would say the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune come against us and and we're kind of battling through together and we're the you know it's it's team us versus the world and we're kind of fighting through these challenges and there's some kind of togetherness in it but there's also that sense that god is above it all and at any point he could change the direction of the wind he could stop the pressure that's come into us he could direct it somewhere else he could just supernaturally intervene and change everything and sometimes he does and it's awesome and we just our faith kind of skyrockets at that point when we see God answer prayers and comes through for us and there are other times where we really just don't seem to see the breakthrough and and it doesn't seem to change And it's like cycling against the wind, mile after mile after mile, and then it starts to rain, and the rain is driving, and then it turns to hail. (laughs) And we're cycling. Oh man, anyone who's done any cycling knows what that feels like when the hailstones are driving into your face. And sometimes it feels like that. And we in life, and we know God could just switch the weather like that, and sometimes He doesn't, but He kind of requires us to endure through these times really really difficult times now <laughs> this is that is an introduction but here's this scripture i want to just kind of home in on um in luke chapter 22 and jesus is talking to his disciples and it's just building up towards the time when he's going to be um betrayed and simon peter's going to deny him and so on but jesus makes a few comments to these guys and he he, they've just the context is they've been bickering once again about who's the greatest among them and jesus is saying listen it's not you're not like worldly people the, the greatest among you is going to be the least among you. And the leader is the one who serves. And he, he says all these things that we know so well, right? Chapter 22, verse 28. He then goes on to say, You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And that word there is that squeezing and that pressure, almost like the pressure of the womb on a baby as it's forced into the birth canal and the labor contractions begin and it's that squeezing and pressure and affliction and Jesus says you're the ones you have you're those who have stayed with me in my trials and I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel i think this is a verse that has probably baffled theologians and made us all wonder what what it will be like when jesus finally wraps everything up and it's all all this earthly business is done and the judgments happening and so on but but the, the 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 statement he's making here is you have been with me in my trials and we talked in the last session about Jesus saying to his disciples, could you not wait with me one hour? And he says, watch and pray. And it's like, what what does Jesus want from his disciples in the garden when they're watching and praying? What is he actually looking for? Because in a sense, they're as different from him as chalk and cheese. And yet, at this point Jesus is fully human as well as fully God and as a human being as a man he is craving the closeness and the proximity of those he considers his friends he's looking for their kind of solidarity and their companionship I guess and their spiritual um, upholding and you kind of kind of think of Moses on the hillside and the two guys jo- um I can't remember who it is um, her and someone else holding his arms up as he's praying over the battle and it's almost like Jesus is saying guys where are you to hold my hands up at this time of the most intense trial for me as a human being and <laughs> they're busy snoring And but yet Jesus says to them here in Luke, he says, you are those who stayed with me in my trials. He's he's honoring them and kind of recognizing already the cost that has been um, paid by these guys. They've left their families. They've left everything they've they've had to face times where jesus's popularity is riding high and where jesus other times when jesus is the most controversial name in in the neighborhood and and they're 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 suffering the hostility of crowds and so on and they're about to come into a real time of intense hostility and and then jesus goes on to say he says simon simon behold Satan is demanded to have you and he's talking there collectively you you all that he might sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you Peter as an individual I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned again strengthen your brothers and Peter said to him Lord I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death and Jesus says I tell you Peter the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me and so we've got this incredible painful little scenario here where Jesus is on the cusp of going to the cross he's it's or he knows fully what's what's ahead of him He's preparing his heart. He's preparing the disciples. And he's, on the one hand, he's just wanting to honour them for sticking with him to this point. But he knows that now they're all going to be sifted like wheat. But he's praying and and he's addressing Peter in particular because he knows Peter is somewhat grandiose in his ideas at times. And he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. Three times you're going to deny that you know me even before the rooster crows. And, of course, we know the story, so Peter does. And so what happens as well is, so Judas, one of Jesus's close friends, one of the twelve who's been with him for three years or so, um, doesn't just deny Jesus, he actively betrays Jesus. So, num- number one, Judas betrays Jesus. His friend turns on him and sells him out for 30 pieces of silver to the people who are going to come and arrest him and beat him and all the rest of it so this is Judas and he does it in the most painful horrible way imaginable with a kiss so it really feels like the most crass betrayal of his friend that is even possible the disciples really en masse seem to run away and we have a story in one of the gospels of John running about dressed in a sheet or something that he's grabbed from the washing line or something and he's virtually naked I don't know what happened to his clothes unless they tried to grab him and he wriggled out of his clothes and escaped Um, and then we have the story of Peter denying Jesus he doesn't just deny him but he starts swearing and using oaths and stuff and saying I really really don't know this man and so Peter, who had said all the, these real strong affirmations of Jesus, Lord, you you know, you're the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and all these wonderful statements, and I'm gonna be with you even unto death. And Jesus knows that he's gonna he's gonna fail at that moment where the pressure's really on. And so Peter denies Jesus, and it's just some women who stay i think it's mary the mother of jesus and um some other ladies and salome and they stay somewhere relatively near the cross and they're observing what's going on luke actually says that his associates um kind of watch from a distance and some women you know and and so (sighs) jesus has really honored them in this in this statement you are with me who has um you are those who have stayed with me in my trials he really honors them and then they thin out and disappear right at the most crucial point where Jesus most would have valued their friendship I guess and most would have valued some solidarity from them and he literally faces the trial alone he said, You are those who have been with me during my, my afflictions, my trials, my testing, and you've stayed with me. And yet then they disappear. And so what what am I what, what is the point of what I'm trying to say? The point is that Jesus values even our feeble endeavors to be faithful to him are feeble efforts he values those but he's looking for us to stay with him all the way through to the end and endure to the end but I think even our best efforts and our most valiant efforts are so feeble in the light of his great love for us and I think we cannot read the story of um, Jesus's trial and crucifixion without seeing this massive differential between his love for us and our best efforts to love him as displayed by the disciples. But um, as we go through life and we face trials and disappointments and um, times when prayer seems to be unanswered and God doesn't seem to respond, we will as well um, experience heartbreak on behalf of jesus so for me i've watched many many um christians who've started well i've watched them fall away and lose that first love for jesus and took to the point where they never show up at church they don't seem to be living like believers and they seem to be just indistinguishable from people who've never followed jesus and that gives me great sadness but and i think well hold on a minute what must that do to the heart of god and so even in the loss of the intensity of love from those people who started out well the heart of jesus is still going through trials and pain he's still the, the jesus is still suffering through these things when we hear of christians being persecuted around the world for their faith and thrown into prison and murdered and butchered and tortured and watching their wives being raped and their children being taken away because for no other reason than they love jesus jesus is suffering in that moment and as we walk with him through this journey of life we are also suffering along with him but we're with him in his trials because his trials haven't stopped in one sense yes everything was done and finished at the cross and jesus said it is finished but the body of christ is still suffering and because he is so invested in us and so invested in his disciples now is con- current disciples he's Jesus is so invested in us and loves us so much and his spirit is alive in us that his heart is still grieved over the suffering of his church and he's still grieved over the sinner who the the believer who starts out well and then falls away and and as we walk with God we're gonna be still experiencing his trials along with him as he continues to suffer and paul the apostle talks about i fill up in my body what is lacking in the sufferings of christ and it's really easy to get the wrong idea about that and start thinking hold on somehow we're my suffering is doing something like jesus's suffering did i believe that if we are I believe what Paul is really alluding to there is that Jesus is still suffering in his body, the church, on the earth today. And you and I, as we walk with him and walk closer and align our hearts with him, we're going to feel grief at times and sorrow over the things that bring grief and sorrow still to the heart of God. And I was... But here's this profound truth i was with some dear friends the other day and i've known them for 35 years probably something like that and the the husband is just such an incredible guy and he um was a doctor gp family doctor and he worked really hard serving the community his wife just they together they fostered children they've served within the church they've been generous as a couple beyond the point where it hurts just generous with their time generous with their love generous with their money generous with their home opening their home having people round their table for meals this kind of thing and as a couple they've been incredible role models to Anna and myself and now the husband he come up coming up to retirement and they had all these plans for retirement having worked so hard and they then he it was discovered that he had a degenerative brain disorder which has left him virtually um immobile finding speech almost impossible into so his best efforts to speak are, are kind of incoherent moan really thankfully he has voice banked some of his speech on and onto a piece of software which if he types into his ipad he can it speaks for him and it sounds just like him which is lovely but it takes about 10 minutes for him to give an answer but <clears throat> inside his brain is fully functional in terms of cognitive processes and everything else like that so he can still he's still as smart and intelligent and witty as ever but he's just locked into this body that is literally disintegrating and yet as we talked and had time together we they were excited about God the presence of God was in the room and I'm just thinking man this is so humbling to be in this room with these godly people who are still alive and full of hope and full of faith now as, as they were when we first met when we were young and um idealistic and all the rest of it they've still got that same love and passion for the lord that they had all those years ago and i'm thinking man just to sit with you in the room is a huge honor and going back to that thing about god can just control the weather still like just like that i'm thinking god just in a just in a heartbeat you could heal this dear guy and he could be completely healed and yet somehow there is a process of sitting with the uh, just even in that sitting with them for that hour or so hour or two i i kind of feel like i'm in some ways sharing in the sufferings of christ and i'm looking at these guys and i'm thinking i don't understand it i don't understand suffering really i haven't got a watertight theology about it but i know that and even in the middle of this jesus is here and he's doing something and he's it just having to endure this thing with them is a is a kind of somehow sharing in the sufferings of Jesus and probably somebody's going to disagree with me and say oh you should have more faith or something or other like that but I look at these guys and they've prayed and prayed and we've prayed and we've believed and we've seen God heal in times when we prayed less well or less with less perseverance we've seen God do miracles and I don't understand to this day why sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't still but even in that there's that determination jesus even in the unanswered questions i'm gonna still walk with you i'm gonna be with you in your trials that you're still going through and by god's grace when push comes to shove and we're in the simon peter moment and <laughs> the the it's like are, are we gonna confess jesus or are we gonna risk our lives being taken away from us because of our allegiance to him i pray dear god that like the literally thousands around the world even today who are facing that exact same question that I will be able to say, yes, I am a disciple of Jesus. Yes, I am His friend. I like there is this great quote. I'm I'm not going to try and quote it verbatim, but I'm uh, some. Um. Oh gosh, an ancient guy. He's arrested. ...for his faith in Jesus... ...Polycarp, that's the guy... ...and he's quite old... ...he's 80, I think, something like that... ...and he's arrested for his faith in Jesus... ...and they're trying to make him recant... ...and go back and say, you know, deny Jesus... ...or lose his life... ...and he says something along the lines of... ...why would I deny Jesus... ...when he has been faithful to me all my life why would I suddenly deny him now just to save my life for a few more days? And I pray for you, for me, that whatever challenges and whatever trials we're facing and whatever, however much our faith is stretched, that our faith will not fail and that even though we're sifted like wheat, that our faith will not fail and then Jesus is... Instruction to Peter is when you have turned again. It's not like if, but when you have turned again, strengthen the brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Come back, Peter, with renewed strength, with renewed vigor, and put that to work to strengthen the the rest of my church. And so, whatever situation you're in today, be a friend of Jesus. In the middle of it, stick in there, and even when those times are hard and it's hard to understand, and the friendship seems to be stretched beyond all recognition. Hang in there and wait for that moment when Jesus is back on the scene again and in a real tangible way, and you're able to, and he's saying, "Come and have breakfast, I've cooked some fish and <laughs> just be refreshed again in his love, and I pray that whatever situation you're in today." you will be surrounded by his grace surrounded by his love and that he will keep you faithful to the end and strong and true and that your life will be an instruction for many and like my my friends who i was just describing before you know, when people come into your home even in the middle of those times of trial they'll be able to, they'll be able to sense the presence of god and know that you too are a friend of god If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on and get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.